How many of you guys are excited when you get to see Kristen Wall? Yeah. Woo! Well, listen, today's Palm Sunday, which is amazing. The triumphant, the triumphant, let me try again. The triumphal entry. And, um, and we have been engaging in Palm Sunday, and we've been having the Friday vigil, and then we go into Easter, and it's just this wonderful time of celebration. And we've even, I mean, guys, I'm going to say it. I know we're an independent, pretty charismatic church, but... We got a liturgy. You can say that word. How many of you guys are comfortable with the word liturgy? Yeah, a couple of you. The rest of you are like, I don't know what liturgy means. Or you're not comfortable with it, whatever it is. But we do liturgy. We have this beautiful tradition of taking time to embrace these rhythms of being followers of Christ. It's treasures new and old. It's where we're joining, you know, the scripture that says that the, that the kingdom of heaven is like a wise man who takes out of his storehouse treasures new and old. And we get to do that here. We get to engage in some of these rhythms that have been going on for millennia now. And we get to, and we get to go, Lord, people have been worshiping you in this way. They've been remembering you in this way. And we want to do that as well. It's not all old and it's not all, all new, is it? It's both. And so today on Palm Sunday, we're embracing that rhythm. We're, we're taking that time to go, wow, for all these years, the church has looked at the triumphal entry of Christ coming into Jerusalem. Let us meditate on those things. Let us embrace those things. Let us take this time of the year and go, wow, we're part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And as I, and as I was looking at where we're going and and getting ready to prepare, I thought, you know, it's important that we don't forget what God is doing, that there's a momentum to what we're doing, that we're not just kind of coming here on Sundays and be like, I don't know, open up the Bible and let's see what happens. Um, no, God has purposes, and we as a people have been working together, not only as a local tribe, but with the cities to see God's kingdom come and to see his will be done. And I was looking at, a year ago, on Palm Sunday, I was looking at some of the things that we've been praying towards, some of the things that we got together in groups. Do you guys remember this? And we prayed and we asked God for some specific things. And so I want to talk about the fact that God answers prayer and some of those things we've prayed for, some of the responses that God has brought because we, kept, because we prayed. You guys excited? So let's just begin with this. Last year, at this time, 2018, we prayed that God would break our hearts for the broken families in our community, that we would know how to serve them. We prayed that God would enable husbands and wives to forgive one another. How many of you are still married today? Yeah, praise God. We prayed that you would be. And here you are. So answer number one. Hallelujah. How many husbands forgave their wives? I know, they're not raising their hands because they were like, I had nothing to forgive. <laughs> All right. Pray, pray that parents would have the humility to seek training to become better parents. Kristen, what, how did God answer this? What's one of the ways God's answered this? Yeah, it's really cool because one month after Easter last year, we uh, got a grant in the We Is Every Child. We got a grant with CAFA. And you guys have been hearing about it. It's been the TIPS class that we just finished up last month that was an eight-week class that was um, at, in Eugene Springfield, then simulcast to four rural communities. And what's amazing is, I mean, that's a very specific prayer, and we have a very specific answer. So um, in the TIPS class, we had... Um, 492 engagements, and I'm going to share what engagements is. I'm learning this from Corey. Engagement is a one-time, one-person engage the 
the TIPS class. So 492, that's over 60 families. What was cool is that we also put it live and st it started growing online, which was really cool. Um, and then the attendance in Eugene was 205 engagement attendance, is that how you say it? And uh, 235 rural. So it was a big deal. We just sent, we just sent the story to, to DHS because they had partnered with us to invite the families. So it was huge, it's never been done before. And so we're excited to report that. So that's just, isn't that great? Yeah, let's just praise the Lord for a minute, because that's amazing. You know, um, but, you know, part of what we're doing here, the, the testimony is so vital. The testimony is so vital. You guys know that the scripture says that the, that, that, uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So every time we talk about this, something that Jesus did, it's prophetic. Yeah. The whole, the whole point of prophesying is that people would see what Jesus is doing, that they would turn to Jesus. We're gathering here because we want to be with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we share the testimony about what Jesus has done, the fact that he answers prayers, the things that he's done in us and for us and through us and to us, and we share that, what it does is it releases the reality of who he is and people grab a hold of that. They're able to encounter Jesus himself and it multiplies you guys, it multiplies. It's a huge deal. Well, I want you to understand that there's a lot of warfare around the testimony. The enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy, and the first thing he does to destroy you and kill you is he steals your testimony. Have you, have you ever had a bad day and you're just like, I can't remember one time that Jesus ever did anything, ever. Why am I even believing in this guy, right? We've all had that moment. You're like, why am I even a Christian? I can't even remember. But if you push through that and you think of just one testimony, just one time, you know, he did, I did wake up alive this morning. That was pretty good, right? I mean, it beats the alternative. But what happens? Immediately, they start, to, they start to multiply, and you start remembering who he is. You start remembering what he can do. You start remembering what he's done, and you start remembering who you are. So one of the ways that we do, one of the most powerful ways that we do warfare is by sharing the testimony. And the other way that we do it is when somebody shares a testimony, we mark that moment by getting excited about it. Because what it does is it stamps your heart and your brain to go, wait, something happened. I'm building a memorial right now to go, oh yeah, God moved. Are you with me? So when we're sharing these testimonies, I just want to encourage you that we want to build a memorial about that. We want to say, God moved. God did something. We prayed and he answered. We're not just praying to the Easter bunny or Santa Claus. We're praying to the creator of the universe. And when we talk to him, he does something. Are you with me? So what's incredible is that we prayed and asked God that parents would have the humility to seek training to become better parents. That's a huge deal, guys. That's a huge deal because it's hard to admit as parents that we have very little idea what we're doing. <laughs> are there any kids in here? Just plug yours for a minute. Mom and dad don't got any idea. They are just learning as they go. But you know, it is a big deal to admit like, man, I want more tools. I want more skills. And God is answering that. And we saw a huge engagement happen in something that we haven't seen before with the TIPS class, True Insight Parenting Strategies. And people's lives are getting changed. Karen and I came and sat through that class. And our first daughter is so bummed because she's like, wow, I wish you guys would have done this when I was a little kid. But the Lord can heal you. I'll just give you an extra ministry time with the Sozo team and a gift certificate with my counselor. Okay. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Thank you guys for being the kind of people that are engaging with this. 
that you are engaging. Praise God. So what do we do when we hear a testimony? We celebrate. We celebrate. Yes, Lord. Come on. Here we go. Oh, yeah. People. All right. So, but that's not all the good news. There's even more good news. The next thing that we prayed about was that we uh, prayed for children at risk and foster care. We prayed that God would raise up in our cities 200 foster families working in partnership with DHS, and we prayed for 100 safe families to be raised up, temporary hosting and support, uh, pre-DHS involvement. So what happened there, Kristen? Well, I only have um, statistics just from the Every Child effort, but... I would, I would love to hear from DHS how many in the last year they've raised up with including us. But we have, um, we can count how many people say that they're interested in learning more about foster care and then we, we hand them off to DHS. So um, since we started a little less than three years ago, we have 183 in our community families that have said yes to wanting to learn more. And um, since last Easter, we had 54 families just from the Every Child effort. So that's just amazing. Um, Amazing good news that there's families in this community um, that have said yes just recently uh, to being foster parents. So that's just so awesome. And they really are our heroes. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. And then the last thing that we prayed over uh, a year ago during Palm Sunday was we prayed that God would break down obstacles to people coming into understanding of his gospel and be born again. We prayed that every believer in our cities would be bold to tell uh, others the story of what God has done for them. You know, the Apostle Paul, right, he says, please pray for me that I would be bold to share the gospel. I get a lot of strength from the fact that Paul, I can't think of anyone who's more bold I said bald, didn't I? I can't think of anybody no, that's more bold than Paul. And Paul was saying, pray for me that I would be bold so I share the gospel as I should. Guys, it's so appropriate that we consistently pray, God, give us boldness to share good news. Because it's a little scary, isn't it? But as we've been praying, God has answered in some very interesting ways. So Kristen, you've got a cool story. I do. And I shared a little bit about a month ago. I got to share just quickly that God gave me this week of, I just felt like he let me see into people's hearts and what he was doing. And, and some of you heard that. But um, since then, this one has more to do with, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And just as we, as we get to share our testimony out, I was at the gym um, probably two weeks ago. And this lady came up to me and said, I don't know if you remember me. But a couple months ago, we were talking and you shared a part of, of, of your story where you found God. And, and part of that was you looked up at the ceiling and just thought your step of faith was just to start talking to the ceiling. And I want you to know two days after um, you shared that with me, my daughter was at my house and she's had a long-term drug and alcohol addiction. And she just had this complete meltdown and I just felt like I don't even know what to do anymore. I mean... She just cannot seem to get through this, and it was a big explosion. She left my house, and then she goes, then I remembered what you said, and I looked up at the ceiling, and I started talking to the ceiling, asking God if you're there, and if you love me like a father, I need help. She said the next morning, her daughter called her and said that she admitted herself into a drug and alcohol treatment program. Come on. And then... She said two weeks, two weeks, she's doing really, really well. Two weeks later, she, um, she was talking to me and she said some of the ladies from the, from the treatment program went to church and they invited me to church and she said, mom, it was really amazing. And then this lady told me how she wants to see if she could go to church with her daughter next week. How cool is that? 
And what I want to, what I just want to really continue, I wish I just continue to share with us in this church and, and believers all over our community is God has gone before us. He has prepared the hearts of people. He is moving and he's just asking us to go. And it says in scripture, how would they know if, if we do not, if we're not sent, if we don't go? And so I just want to encourage us. This is not hard ground. I feel like there's something in us that thinks, oh, this is hard. I don't want to offend anybody. But God has already set up that divine appointment for you. And, and today, this is just one person's testimony. And I would love for you guys to share you guys this is happening all over the room and beyond so I would love for you to come up and tell me or one of the leaders um, stories of what what's happening you and what you've seen out there and I just want to encourage you go God is with you he's gone before you let's share the good news amen thanks Kristen praise God so so this would be embarrassed this will be embarrassing but I've embarrassed myself before if this has already happened and I missed it but then on the other hand, it's just a huge compliment. Wait, don't leave yet, Derek. Is this the first time that Derek and Melody are back in the house? Is it? It's the second. I missed the first time. I'm celebrating again. Do it with me. Come on. Derek and Melody Woodruff, freshly married, and it looks good on them. He's like trying to, he's like trying to go to the restroom. That'd be the worst, wouldn't it? You're like, that's it. Can't wait any longer. I got to go. And then the pastor calls you out. Yeah, I'm watching you. Isn't that a good word, though, about boldness? I want, you to, I want you to come away. I want you to come away today empowered to be bold to share your story. Because that's really, Kristen wasn't even sharing her testimony of like, hey, you should believe in Jesus because of what he says, although that's true and you should, that's fine to say that. But, but in this particular instance, she was saying, hey, I met Jesus and I started by talking to like a little stain on the ceiling, Right? How powerful is that? You, your encounter with Jesus is a gateway for people to come into the kingdom. And, and you can talk freely and with confidence about how you've encountered Jesus. Isn't that good? You little kittens are so quiet today. First service was so loud. And I was like super excited because I'm an extrovert. And I know selfishly, it's just encouragement for me when you're loud. But can't I be encouraged a little? I mean, it's, <laughs> thank you, thank you for loving me like like how I love me. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is the last testimony. Pray that God would draw thousands to City Fest as we invite them, and that they would be born again. Do you guys realize it was just a year ago that we did City Fest? Not even a year ago. It feels like five years ago to me. Like we've been so busy doing so much stuff, but it was just last year that we were praying, Jesus, would you send thousands? Would you send thousands to City Fest? Check it out. He so did. We had ten, almost ten thousand people show up at PK Park. It was the largest crowd that had ever been at PK Park. It was so successful that the managers at PK Park were like, dude, we need to be doing more concerts here and make some sweet moolah, which is great. The kingdom brings lots of, lots of blessing with it. But also 800 people got saved during that initiative, which is what we were after. So yay God. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's amazing. And we had, I, th I can't remember, but we had like, I mean, it was like 150, 175 churches, I think at the end of the day, 175 churches. Is that right? It was okay. It was at least 150 I like 175, but it's probably 150 that came together to put this on. That was a big kingdom win, guys. And it was because we prayed and we acted on what we prayed. So isn't that good? Keep praying, saints. 
And also, this is just to, this is just to, uh, actually, I want to go back. Um, this is just to remind us, like, that God is moving when we pray, and that we're not just standing still. We're not just coming here on Sunday and hearing the same message over and over again and not gaining ground. Do you hear these testimonies? People are coming into the kingdom. Churches are getting together. People are praying. People are getting set free. Parents are becoming better at parenting. Children are being adopted, and people are coming alongside broken families and seeing them reestablished. We're not just here talking about a philosophy. We're here talking about Jesus, and Jesus changes lives. Come on. All right, I'm going to read to you from, uh, from uh, the greatest, the, uh, what, was, what is this thing called? Here we go. Jesus Christ, the greatest life ever lived, and it's a unique blending of the four gospels. It's by Johnston Cheney. Very cool. So what it is, is it's a blending of the four gospels, as is in the title. And uh, so I'm going to read that uh, to you today about the triumphal entry, and then I have a couple of thoughts I want to share with you. So here we go. When they approached Jerusalem the next day and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent out two of his disciples. Go into the village ahead of you, and as soon as you enter it, you'll find a donkey tied up. Tied with her will be a colt, which no one has ever ridden. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says or asks, what are you doing? Then say to him, the Lord needs them, and he'll immediately send them here. Those who were sent left, and they did what Jesus told them, and they found a young donkey tied outside the door in the street, just as he had described it, and they untied it. The owners were standing there, and they said, what are you doing? What are you untying the colt for? And the the Lord needs it, they said, repeating what Jesus had told them to say. And then the owners let them go. So they brought the donkey and the colt to Jesus, threw their clothing on them, and set Jesus on the colt. And as he rode along, they began to spread their articles of clothing on the road. And when he came to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, a large crowd of disciples began to shout for joy and to praise God loudly for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who is coming in the name of the Lord, they shouted. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. A huge crowd had come to the feast. And when they had heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem, they cut down palm branches and they went out to meet him. And they spread the branches on the road, and the crowds who followed him, as well as those who went ahead of him, kept shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who is coming in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel! Blessed is the kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And all this happened to fulfill what the prophet said. Tell the daughter of Zion, don't be afraid. Look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding a donkey, even a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples didn't understand these things at first, but after Jesus was glorified, they remembered these predictions about him and that they had done these things to him. That's an interesting spot. That's an interesting spot. I want to spend today talking about this part right here. This is Zechariah. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy that had been spoken 500 years earlier. He's entering into Jerusalem. He's showing up and he's fulfilling a prophecy that was spoken 500 years ago among many, many other prophecies Jesus fulfilled. God said Jesus was going to show up and God showed up. Jesus shows up and he comes in to Jerusalem and he fulfills that scripture. And you notice this, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples didn't understand these things at first. 
How many of you guys, how many of you guys can kind of find yourself in that last line? The disciples didn't understand these things at first. Now, after he was glorified, after he was raised from the dead, after they thought all was lost and then he came back from the dead and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter is, is standing in front of 3,000 people and he says, this Jesus whom you crucified, he's come back from the dead. And they said, how must we be saved? And they were saved. He's like, oh, <laughs> now I understand. Now I get, ah, I didn't understand these things at the first. <laughs> How many of you guys have lived long enough to know that sometimes we don't understand things at the first? Let me tell you a story about not understanding things at the first. You know, when, uh, so Karen and I live, at, live right down the street. We've got a beautiful home, 954 Laurel Street. Come on by any time, Karen will cook you something. Um, so... We, we have this great home, and we absolutely love it, but we had a really cool home and a really cool situation before we had this home. We used to live in Harrisburg. We lived in Harrisburg for quite some time. We love us some Hairtucky goodness, and then we moved here to J-Town. We love our J-Town goodness. But when we lived in Harrisburg, they didn't have open enrollment yet. You could apply to go to school somewhere else, and we wanted Mercy to be able to go to high school here in Junction. Since we minister here in Junction, we felt like that'd be a good thing. So for many reasons, we decided we wanted to do that, but we wanted to be able to guarantee that she could go to school. So we needed to come to Junction City, but we owned a home in Harrisburg at the time, so we rented that one out, and we came to Junction City, and we needed to be able to find a place that we could afford. Well, at the time, uh, Aunt Patty um, was working for a very eccentric woman named Nancy, and she had this three-bedroom, two-bath on her property that had been sitting vacant for quite some time, and she had decided, I think I want to rent that thing out. And so Karen and I heard about it, and we set the whole deal up, and here's what was amazing. We got a three-bedroom, two-bath, and not only that, but it was on, with a beautiful view of the mountains, one of the best views here in Junction City, and... It was on its own well, and it's on its own sewage systems. That's like 150 bucks a month right there, not having to pay for water and sewage. So do you, do you know how much we were paying for this place? $600 a month. Yeah, baby, that's enough to like praise Jesus just right there, right? Three bedroom, two bath, no water and sewer bill, 600 bucks a month? That's miracle goodness. So we moved in, and we were the best tenants. I kid you not, I can say that with absolute courage and confidence, because I know that you also, as people of the kingdom, are the best tenants that people ever had. Is that right? Yes, it is, because that's what's called of us. And so we went in, we did above and beyond, you guys. The, the place, like, was overrun with blackberries. We cut down all the blackberries. We planted grass. We landscaped. We found her. She had a whole, like, grape vineyard that had been overgrown with blackberries. We cut all that down, got, got it all trimmed back, grew some beautiful grapes. She had all these plants all over her yard that had just been destroyed by blackberries. Cut those all back, cultivated. She's got good things going on. Fixed the heater in the place. I mean, we're just taking great care of it. Pressure washed everything. Fixed all the skirting. I mean, just honestly, great tenants. And for our faithfulness, after we'd been there about a year, I think, then we heard through Aunt Patty that she goes, well, you probably better start looking for a place because Nancy's going to kick you out in January. And we're like, what? She's like, yeah, she doesn't want children on her property. Now, I could understand that she might not want your kids on the property. <laughs> but... <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. 
except for that my kids are amazing. No, but, but my kids really were amazing and they weren't doing anything to the property. They didn't even like to go over on her side of the property because she was, <laughs> she, she's something. Anyway, so, so, so she's going to kick us out in January and we're like, God almighty. And we were upset as, as, we, as, you, as any of us would be. And here's the deal. Our plan in this home was, this is amazing rent. We're going to sit tight right here for five years and save some serious dough and then we're going to buy a house. And the plan was going great until Nancy decided to kick us out. And so we were hurt and we were frustrated and it was unjust. But life's life. So I talked to a friend and, and he ends up telling me about this house that we now currently live in. And he said, I said, hey, if you see any houses, let us know. He goes, you got to buy my house. He goes, well, it's not actually my house. Actually, I made a cash an as-is offer on it, but my lending fell through. So don't tell the owner that I'm the one that sent you, but go snap that thing up, stat, and, uh, because it's a great deal. Well, the Lord in his goodness, we were going to do an as-is offer, but the Lord in his goodness, the woman had already been burned by that situation and said, no, I'm going to put in flooring. I'm going to have it painted. I'm going to put it on the market. You can make an offer. You can be first in line, but I'm taking backup offers. What we ended up doing was we ended up buying that house. 45 days later, we moved into not only a great house, but a house that my wife loves. Like, a, a house that my wife loves. Now, here's what's amazing about this. So we've been there about six years now. So we bought that house for $145,000 at 3.25% interest. Yeah, yeah, that's just a good thing, isn't it? And let me tell you something. <laughs> We've made a lot more money on paper in this house over the... Where would I be if I would have been able to save, say, 500 bucks a month for five years and then tried to buy a house? It wouldn't be that house. You see, I didn't understand these things at first. When Nancy was kicking us out of our rental, I didn't understand things at first. See, I didn't understand that the first that the Lord was trying to glorify himself and take care of my family by essentially putting me into not only a great deal, but a house that's the house my wife loves. I have wanted to take all the equity out and go move into another house and just keep leveraging because that's how I think. My wife's like, that's fine. You can take whatever money you can scrounge up, but I'll be living here. <laughs> she loves this house. Do you see that? I didn't understand things at the first. The Lord wanted to bless us. And so you know what he did? He incited Nancy against us. He stirred her up to where she looked at my two little angels and was like, I don't want those little booger eaters <laughs> on my property. They got to go. Okay, sorry, Mercy. They, they weren't. <laughs> it's just how Nancy saw it. I'm not saying... Isn't that amazing? And you know what? If Nancy hadn't have kicked us out, we wouldn't have the home we're in. Isn't that neat? Now here's the interesting thing about this. This scripture says that Jesus is coming in. He's coming in to Jerusalem. And what happens? We know that the Pharisees rejected him. We know that the, the political powers rejected him. And the reason why is because Jesus wasn't coming in the form or the way that they expected him to come. 
And so they didn't see it. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing in that moment. They misunderstood. They didn't understand it and they rejected him. But we know that God, the God who shows up, was coming in exactly the right way, in exactly the right time, fulfilling every promise that he gave, and in so doing, rescuing us in 2019, delivering us from death and sin, fulfilling every single promise that was given, and redeeming all things. But we didn't understand that at the first, did we? And I want to contend that this Palm Sunday, I want to contend that God wants to remind us that he's the God that shows up. And I want to encourage everyone right now in this moment, in the places where you may be going through something right now. Many of us have gone something, through something right now. We as a tribe are going through something right now. We, 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 we've lost a lot of people right now. I think this is a very poignant message for us right now. That Jesus, you know, and, 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 and I want to say this, that Jesus, Peter was talking to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. And Peter says, absolutely not, you're not going to die. And Jesus says, Peter, get behind me. You're just thinking about the things of, of the world, the things of man. I'm trying to handle the things of God. I'm trying to do what is going to redeem all things, and it's going to require that I die. And when he was resurrected, Peter's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't understand it at the first. And Jesus was literally having to die. I would say the question of our mind right now, having just recently lost loved ones to disease at a time when we would say, you should not have died, that even these questions will be answered though we don't understand it at the first. Are you with me? And I, and, I think, and, I, and I want you to understand this. Jesus himself had to die. So he's not even requiring us to go through something that he himself didn't go through. Do you see that? So he's not saying like, oh yeah, you, you might get cut down in the prime of life or sooner than what we would hope. But I tell you, you will understand at some point, though you do not understand it right now. Can you receive that? Can you receive that, that, that it's important for us to be able to, like the disciples, to be able to say, I didn't understand it at the first, but I will. Now, the enemy wants to shape the narrative, the enemy wants to come after these things. He wants us to go beyond being able to embrace that Jesus is the God who shows up and that he's with us. And he goes, well, but is he? Did he show up? Is he with you? It's no different than the Garden of Eden. Jesus is coming in, triumphal entry, fulfilling scriptures, and the people that are there are going, well, this ain't him because it's nothing like how I would have done it. It's nothing, this, the timing's way off. The donkey's too small. This guy's from Galilee. In other words, it doesn't fit my paradigm for how it should happen. This can't be God. He didn't show up. But beloved, he did show up. He always shows up. He's the God who shows up. His name is Emmanuel. He shows up. His promise to us after he died and rose again was, I will never leave you. I'm the God who showed up and I never left. Amen. Now the enemy wants to come after that narrative. He wants to come after that narrative. 
Let me share, let me share a story with you. I want to share two, two more stories with you. The first story is while we were walking through saying goodbye to Aunt Patty. Um, Aunt Patty is a precious, precious woman who really honestly adopted my, sis- my sister-in-law Candy and my wife Karen and our girls and just like made them her own. And was just like a mother to my wife and, and her sister and a grandma to my girls. And she went home early because cancer And as we're walking through this and we're praying for her to be healed, we're praying for her to be healed. And the Lord heals her, but not the way we wanted. She got a completely new body. She got completely redeemed. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus died again. Are you with me? Jesus is going to raise us all from the dead and we're never going to die again. But it is, it is our destiny that each of us will die once. And Jesus himself did it. He didn't say, you have to die once and I won't do it. He's the God that shows up and he's done it and he knows what it's like. And he didn't want to do it. Just like us, he said, Father, is there a different way we could get this done in the garden? But not my will, but yours. So we're in the middle of this. We're in the middle of God doing it in a way that we don't understand. I still don't understand. I don't understand it at the first, but I will. And as we're going through this, we spent 60 hours on vigil with Aunt Patty, and we're there in the hospital, and Jerry and Pastor Jerry and Linda from Calvary, which is my aunt and uncle's church, they're coming up the elevator, and they're coming to, to visit, because we're all there together, and we're saying goodbye, and it's incredible. And you know what? He is the God who showed up. The presence of God is just in us, in the room. All the staff at the, the hospital are coming in and going, this is the most amazing family I've ever seen. Like, the way you guys love, who you are. Like, they just wanted to be around, we're saying goodbye to our beloved Aunt Patty. At this point, her, her brain is no longer functioning, but that big, beautiful heart just keeps beating. And, and she has a big, beautiful heart, so that heart, that heart don't, ain't got no quit in it. And even though her, her, her brain is not functioning anymore because the cancer has shut it down, that heart knows what it knows. So we're saying goodbye to Aunt Patty. They're riding up the elevator. And as they're riding up the elevator, there's a painter in the, in, the, in the elevator with them, and they're talking about going to see Aunt Patty. And the painter guy says, they're, they're chatting back and forth, and they said, well, what, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I, I do all kinds of stuff all around here, and, and I just kind of can come and go as I, as I please because I'm doing what I'm doing. And they said, oh, that's cool. And they're talking about Aunt Patty and what a great woman she is. And, and uh, the painter says, you know, they have greeters in heaven. And they said, what's that? They said, yeah, they have greeters in heaven. They said, well, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? He said, well, when people come into heaven, they're met at the gates, and everyone that they've blessed and everyone who's in the kingdom because of them rushes out and greets them and rejoices and comes in with them. Some people have a few people, and some people have a multitude. She has a multitude. And they're like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, like, they're deeply moved, like you are right now, because that's stinking beautiful, and, um, and how cool is this staff at this hospital, right? So the painter's like, they got greeters in heaven. And so then the doors go, you know, they, they get to their spot, and the doors ding and open, and they turn to say goodbye, and that dude is gone. How cool is that? He is the God who shows up. He's the God who shows up and goes, listen, I know you don't want me to take Aunt Patty home right now, but I'm taking Aunt Patty home right now. You may not understand it at the first, 
but I'm the God that's with you. And he showed up. And I'm excited to think about how many people greeted our Aunt Patty in heaven. Now the enemy, here's another story, because the enemy wants to shape the narrative. He wants to make it something other. He wants it to be the God that didn't show up, or the God that showed up but he was late. The God that don't show up. He's trying to shape the narrative. He wants you to try to understand before you can actually understand. You see, the trick here, it's not a trick. The posture here is that he's the God who shows up and you go, listen, I know he's the God who shows up because look, everything shows that he shows up. Now, when I don't understand, I don't have to understand if he hasn't given me understanding yet. That sounds more confusing than it is. <laughs> but that's where we get into so much trouble. So here's the enemy. So I, I don't know if you guys know this, but some years back, I fell, not morally, but through the ceiling. It's a whole other story about me telling this story to another pastor, and I will share it another time. But he thought I was talking about falling morally, and it was hilarious. So at any rate, I was up in the attic with my brother, brother and we were, doing, we were getting ready to do some work, and I said, listen, don't step off of any of these catwalks up here in the, in the attic, because if you do, there's nothing between you and the floor but drywall. And he says, okay, no problem. And I said, I'm going to jump down over onto this platform. And so I jumped straight through the drywall, <laughs> sailed down, hit the ground right there, rolled over, was kind of laying out right about where Karen's sitting in the back there. So I fell, and I broke my foot, and I shattered my elbow. I tore all the ligaments out of it. I dislocated it, and I compound fractured it, just busted it all up. So it's just kind of bowed and funky. I cut this arm down to the bone. So you could see both those bones running in there and this one vein coming across. Now, how do you slice the arm all the way down to the bone, all the way across, not have any nerve damage and not slice any arteries? But that's what I did. And so I did go to the hospital. <laughs> and uh, we're in the hospital. And, and as we're there, after, after they put me back together, and I'm just praising Jesus. I'm just praising Jesus because, because we have people that have fallen off an eight-foot ladder and died and others who have fallen off of an eight-foot ladder and they're paralyzed, right? I fell 20 feet and I was a couple feet above that when I jumped, jumped off the thing. And all I have is like, yeah, I got some, some physical therapy got to go to, but I, I can move and breathe and have my being. I can still kind of dance. I think a little better than before because now I got a little hitch in my giddy up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> And so, so I'm in the hospital, and this, this chaplain comes in, and it's, it's this interesting thing. So this chaplain comes in to comfort me, and, um, and I don't know what was going on, but this chaplain, I think he was eating like egg salad sandwiches, you know? Like, you ever been with somebody who's been eating egg salad sandwiches? Yeah, so it was like that. And, and so he's, he's in there, and he's like, hey, how you doing, buddy? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. And he goes, well, I just, I'm here. And uh, I want to comfort you. I said, well, I appreciate that. And he goes, how can, I, how can I comfort you? You've really been through a lot. And I said, well, honestly, I said, I think I just feel kind of stupid, but I am just fully grateful to God. And he goes, come on now, you can be honest. And I said, no, I'm honest. Like, I am so grateful to God because I fell 20 feet and all I did was bust my elbow and cut my arm. And, and, um, and I said, truthfully, I, I think he's been so merciful to me. And he goes, yeah, but... I mean, come on, you, it's just the two of us talking here. Well, no, Karen was there. It's just us. You don't have to be strong. You can admit you're probably mad at God. And I said, no. And, and, 
And, and, and at the same time, too, what's funny, though, <laughs> is there's this just terrible sulfur smell going on while he's doing that. And so I'm just thinking, like, this is so bad. Like, this, like your advice is as bad. Like, both ends stink. <laughs> and it was just so, and I'm, I'm just like, whoo. And uh, I'm thinking, man, that's gnarly. And, uh, and I said, and he, and he said, listen, you know, God could have intervened. And I said, well, I think he honestly tried to intervene. Like, I really should have just taken my brother, and we should have gone out and taken the day off. But I wanted to get extra work done. I was exhausted. I jumped off that catwalk, and I sailed to the ground. And I'll tell you where God got involved. He got involved when I jumped off the catwalk. That's where he came in. That's the part where he came in, where I'm not paralyzed. I'm not dead. I'm going to be able to raise my kids and, and, and love my grandbabies and hopefully my great-grandbabies. That's where God showed up. Where I was was the part where I jumped off the catwalk. And he's like, well, okay, but if you ever need to talk more about it and you, and you want to, you know, it's like, it's okay if you're angry that God didn't, didn't make that not happen. And I'm thinking, you're like the worst chaplain in the history of the world. Like, first of all, I have been angry with God at times in my life and he can handle it. And it's important to talk to him when you're angry with him because he can handle it and he'll walk you through it. But this was not that. Like, that was not where it was. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you, just come in here and turn people against God? Is that the program? Fart it up with your egg salad saying, get out. <laughs> so it was bad. It was so bad. So he leaves. He leaves. And I was like, Karen, what was up with that dude? Like, did you smell that? And she goes, oh, I thought it was you. She goes, <laughs> she did. She thought it was me. She's like, oh, he's all doped up. He's probably just cutting it off. Doesn't even know. He's just stinking everybody up. It was not me. Anyway, what's the point? <laughs> I, no, I mean, I'm asking you guys. I can't remember. I'm, I'm kidding. What's the point? The enemy was trying to work in that situation to shape the narrative. Instead of it being like, God showed up and helped me in this moment. Like, even though I made stupid decisions, he was right there. My sister Autumn, actually, I can't remember if it was a dream or a vision, but she saw me fall. And she saw my angel come and wrap himself around me, head to head. His, he was like his chest to my back, leg to leg, arm to arm, and he fell with me. She saw me, him fall with me. When she, when she shared that with me, I just started crying. Because I'm like, it's like, I just see that. Guys, I can walk around and preach and run and ride bicycles and play guitar and move and breathe and have my being because God showed up. And the enemy wants to come in and see like, well, if he would have showed up, you would have never fallen. You know what? Let's not even go down that trail. That's, it's just foolishness. The reality is God showed up. And in the places where I don't yet understand at the first, it's okay for me to just say, I don't understand at the first, but I will. When Jesus is glorified, I will understand how this was a part of it. Do you see that? And so it's so important for us to be able to know two things. One, he's the God that shows up. And two, when I don't understand at the first, I can rest in that. I can rest in saying, I don't understand yet, but I will. Can you receive that? So each of you, each of you are carrying the testimony of places where God showed up. And I just want to ask you today, even as we close right now, share with somebody 
man, that story reminds me of this, where God showed up, whether it's a house or a bike or money or a relationship or a healing or a job that you didn't get or a job that you did, right? God showed up. And then we've all got stories where we say, you know, I don't understand it the first. I don't understand it the first, but I will. And that you can land there. And you don't have to let the enemy come in and try to shape the narrative with his egg salad sandwich process. <laughs> I actually asked Karen, I was like, because I've never seen that chaplain again. I started wondering after we heard the angel story in the other hospital. Then I was like, well, maybe that guy was from the other team. But Karen said she's actually seen him since then. So he's a real person, the chaplain is. I was seriously like, maybe that guy was like, I mean, I didn't see like a little tail poking out or anything. But it sure smelled like hell, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you stand to your feet. <laughs> oh my goodness the prayer servant team is going to come forward if you need prayer but I want you to just uh, I want you to just, could you just put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift Lord God Almighty I want to ask Lord even as we're all just putting our hands out that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit Lord, that if there's any narrative that the enemy has been tainting and drawing us down a path that, that you're not calling us to, Lord, we'll just take it out of our hands. They're open right now. And Lord, in every place, Father, where we just need to remember that you're the God that shows up, would you just, would you just put that reality back in our hands and in our hearts? Holy Spirit, will you fill us afresh today because you are the gift. You are God on earth that Jesus sent when he ascended into heaven. So give us a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, the God who shows up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Go be bold and share your testimonies. We'll see you Friday at 7 o'clock.